After two weeks off, although it felt more like one week, quite frankly, Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast is back. Vince LaRosa, Max Spreados. Before I bring in Vince, a reminder to subscribe, download, rate, and review. I'm not going to tell you again. Actually, I will. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> Maybe a few more times. This microphone, does it feel a little bit low? I don't know. Okay. Does it feel low to you? Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and download the latest episode because we're getting into an exciting summer with a lot of games. I'll get to call a lot of games as well. But how have you been, Vince? How so are your two weeks off? The soccer of summer. My two weeks were, were good. I, I still worked a little bit. Of course. A, a lot you get a little time actually, off somewhere? Actually, a lot of it. Yeah, you know, family came. came. We yeah. can finally, like, see each other now that people are vaccinated and, and being good. So it was good good to hang out with some family. Um, but I, I, I did miss it. I, you know, we, of course. If I don't have You're these, used to talking about stuff. You I miss know. it when it's not there. If I don't have these conversations. You go you a little batty. Explode. And I try, to, I try to talk to Cody about it. And she's like, please don't. Please don't. I, I spent a little time this weekend in the high desert, the low desert. Low desert, very hot, 118. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's going to get hotter this so week. So I couldn't, you couldn't take it. So I went up to Joshua Tree, where it was a little warmer, 105. So wait, let me get, so you went to the desert, you're like, that's ah, too hot. So you too went somewhere hot. else. Let's go, where else can I go? Let's go to the other desert. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, have, uh, how sick and tired of you are of people bringing up to you, hey man, I saw you on the 110 freeway. Uh, it has not gotten old yet, although no. it's, it is a bit terrifying. Because I'm like, what? why would you think? They're like, I almost crashed my car. I'm like, in a good way or? Trying to take a photo of it. Um, of you and, and Connor on the big tower. Big tower. Alongside. I was in traffic and it stopped right by the tower. So I was looking up for a good 10 yeah. seconds. Did you shake your fist at me? You're like, I was oh. getting a little. You're like, you're looking down at me. I was like, stop it. I mean, you've been on there. Have I? Yeah, I think we, put, we probably put you and your broadcast team so. up there at some point. Not my image. I keep saying we. I was with some LAFC people the other My day image has I, never been up there. And I said we, and I was like, apologize, you guys. I'm a little envious because I want to be up there on the tower at some point. You do? Yeah. Okay. Well, you and I will take some photos. My friend I know Ed a guy. Quinn has been on there because he is the lead of the, the Oval on BET. And BET has obviously uh, rented out that space, so I see him as well. So it's getting annoying. So all, my, all these people I know are on the tower, except for me. I would like it actually. I know Carlos Vela. He's on there all the time. Larry, Larry Friedman, if you're listening to this, please make sure that Max Bredos is the last person that makes it on that tower. Let's that just, would be a shame. Just hold, just hold out till the very end. And then we knock the sucker down. We have a lot to talk to about the club, but before, have you watched in, is a lot of football on? A lot. Euros? I have the, t the TV's just on. It's like wallpaper at this, at this point. The TV's just on and just have to flip between the channels to keep some kind of football game going at all hours of the day. Yesterday, which was Sunday... We had three Euro games, and immediately at the end of the last Euro game, Copa America took over, which was pretty interesting and unique. Copa America doesn't have, obviously, the atmosphere of the Euros because there's no fans. It's, it feels far away. But, uh, but it, just the fact that it's getting played seems like a success for them. I correct. Mean, I, Unbelievable. We can debate uh, over whether or not it should be happening, uh, but the fact that Brazil won was in the first game. Uh, there was a Brazilian team on the field. There's a Neymar on the field. Like All these things we did not think were going to happen until they actually did happen, and then Brazil did, did what they do. Fortunately, Venezuela um, had quite a few COVID cases, a couple in their actual team and like quite a few in their traveling um, whatever you would call it there and this competition affects lafc because we have two players down there mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get to the entire international rundown some interesting development good ones for the lafc players that are with their international team 
the we can't we're all enjoying the euros i'm i'm enjoying not really enjoying but i'm getting up earlier because by necessity to watch these games get up around six so i end up halfway through the first half of scotland czech republic today wow did you go yeah. right back to sleep no it was actually pretty good it was okay. a good game the worst game there's some bad games um the second half of Ukraine, Netherlands was good. First half was, uh, there's a lot of negative football as we've gone to see here. But that'll get better. That'll get better. Because you 16 to 24 teams get in, so you can afford to not put your best foot forward. Yeah, but you think you would use that time to try some things? I agree with you. I'm making, I'm built in excuses and people say that. I go, I understand. But I guarantee you the 10 or 12 of the 8 or 10 teams that are being very cautious and defensive, uh, most of them will not qualify for the round of 16 because of it at some yeah. point because they'll find themselves, uh-oh, what, let's start playing now. Well, what about it's too Co- late. What about Copa America? They're only going to cut two teams. <laughs> you don't want to be one of those you two know teams. You know there's going to be – You know, I mean, look, Venezuela by necessity, one because of COVID and two, it's Brazil, probably had to play kind of negative, but go for it, man. I mean, there's only two teams. There's only one team in each group going right. out. You might as well just go yeah. for it a little bit. You get a win, you're probably good. One thing that happened in the Euros I want to talk about, because I think there's some important soccer uh, lessons or uh, whatever, or protocols that you do if something like this ever happened. And it was Denmark, Finland. I'm sure you've all seen it with Christian Eriksen, where he had cardiac arrest. It's now being reported. And I just think from uh, our industry perspective, how that all unfurled, I was watching it. And, you know, as, as many people just getting queasy mm-hmm. watching it. But there were certain things that we say, do we do this or we don't do this if something like this ever happened again? The training crew, obviously, are heroes. A, a, a remarkable what they were able to do. Some of the teammates, from what we hear, uh, positioning the, the trainers and medical staff to do everything they had to. And the reports are, are frightening because they said he was, they said he was gone. Right. Which uh, you read that, you're like, oh, my goodness. But these guys... And girls are magicians, what they're able to do. And that's not the right word. I'm sorry. But they are, they are, they are angels from above to come in here and go through that protocol without hesitation to do that. So obviously, just to reinforce, to have the, vers- the best training medical staff possible, which I'm sure they are the Euros at, at most clubs as well. And I, I'm talking a lot here. But, I mean, there's obviously that. There's a situation of the images while that is happening, do you keep the camera on, not exactly on what's happening close to Erickson, but on the field, maybe getting reaction shots because there was discussion. Uh, it was an international feed, but we saw it here at ESPN. Get the cameras off of that, or what do you do? Speculating injuries is another one. And then restarting the game. And I'll, I'll bounce off you, but of all of them, I think there's a debate to be had, Not obviously with the medical staff, that is 100% uh, consistent across the board. But the restarting the game, I think most people would agree, is was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, basically let, on the the way the Danes responded because yeah. they looked and sort of the Finns, but the Danes looked really, really uh, affected. Of course, I For, mean, yes, you even had uh, players that weren't at the game that were talking about Romelu Lukaku saying, you know, he cried for hours before his own game that he had to play in, and yes. Belgium went on to do well. He scored two goals. He dedicated them to Christian Eriksen. But it was tough for him because he, like he said, he's like, I spend more time with this person than my own family during a pandemic, during with the craziest year ever. And he spent so much time with this person. Um, your point about the medical staff, it's, 
you know, the, the big point is the no hesitation, right? They run into There's a, no hesitation. A situ- yeah, they run into a situation where they have to act fast. They have to be decisive. Everything's cataloged. They know. Yeah, they just go to it. And I, I, I can only think how amazing that is when, from my own experiences, having seen that in person um, and now seeing it a couple times on TV, I freeze. Like, I literally, I can't do anything. I can't move. Yep. Uh, I, 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 and I don't, um, like, I got really emotional after. Like, I can't, I don't cry. I don't do anything. Like, I just kind of stone face because I don't know where my emotions just go everywhere. And I don't know which one is the right one in the moment. Um, but for the medical staff, incredible Simon KR, who, uh, supposedly helped, uh, clear his airway, make sure that his tongue had, had basically recognized it. And I'm, and I saw your tweet this weekend saying, you know, I, I should relearn CPR. Yeah. I'm serious. About and I think, that. no, I think that's incredibly important. And I'm seeing all these things that one, it's actually somewhat very easy to learn CPR and to learn how to do it. But the fact that it could take you 15 minutes to learn it and maybe save someone's life and by time. Yeah. In these, in these instances where you have to act quick um, and you have to be decisive, that's, that's incredible. Um, But just to interject the, the, everything I'm also hearing about the introduction and the creation, the invention of the defibrillator and what it can do. And basically just to like a car restart your heart, but how effective Time and time attend. The name, again, it is. The name escapes me, but I believe it's either in Syria C or Syria B. The uh, same same type of thing happened. Obviously, this is a lower league. The defibrillator is not cheap. Um, they didn't have one. The player didn't make it. Um, so the chances of you making it, yeah. The, at this point, we should all learn CPR and get get these to the to as many places as we, as we can because it, it's CPR and the defibrillator are the two things that saved his life. Absolutely. And the reason I, I, I tweeted that is because I've now been involved in two instances where I've seen something of that nature once on an airplane and like you i froze because the the gentleman was in the row behind me and i heard the his wife screaming and then this woman whose name was sarah i forgot her last name because i talked mm-hmm. to her i said you are amazing she leapfrogged over two rows got him into the middle of the thing these people go we got to land the plane she goes no don't land the plane like emergency land resuscitated him i was like that's it without mm-hmm. that action we're on an airplane and we are landing an emergency landing and we're probably sending someone to a morgue. Yeah. So it was, uh, I'm glad that's what I get back to. And I'm sorry if I interrupt you, but I just want to get back to watching it all because I think it's in, I think I want the images to continue. Maybe not of someone getting resuscitated, but the stadium or just to think and, and let that moment soak over you. So that the, the lasting image for me is I want to learn CPR so I can do something like this because it happens mm-hmm. so frequently. And to rush that off to go to a studio, I say, nope, let us let that simmer. If, you, if it's too hard to take, warn the audience, and then they leave. And like, this might be a losing conversation, but I just think that really led to that being such a visceral moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, as a, as a broadcaster, I mean, you're like, you're trapped in a moment um, where you can't, do you can't anything. really say much. Yeah, you can't. Well, one, you can't do anything, right? Well, yeah. you're, you're you're just kind of like the rest of us, kind of a, a prisoner to the scenes that are being beamed into you. Because to your point, UEFA has that feed. So for those two commentators for ESPN, they're sitting there and they're literally. Efetokoku is Derek Ray. Derek Ray. They're being shown basically pictures that they have no say over. They they could very well have been thinking, please go to commercial, please dump out of this. Not their call. Absolutely not their call, and it's not even it's not even not their call. It's not even like next door. It's not the director next door that is happening um, from from UEFA's headquarters, which I believe are in Switzerland, and they're making that call. Um, so that's got to be that's got to be crazy. But you, the other point you made is yeah, you can't say much. So how do you 
is that in, in that moment, would you say that it is good to espouse the things that maybe we just said? Learn CPR. These are the things that are helping people. And then obviously you, you talk a little bit about the scenes. You, you have to remind viewers that keep coming in throughout, you know, hopefully it's not a long process, but you kind of remind them, okay, this is why you're not seeing what you imagined you'd be seeing if you turned on this channel at this time. Um, but I, yeah, I was just wondering, well, like as a, as a, obviously this is lowest of tone pole, but now that we're kind of, now that we know Christian is okay. Um, I feel like we can talk about this. What, what would you have as a broadcaster? What do you feel is the right thing in those moments? I think to your point, reminding folks of, uh, re-reminding for new audience because in a situation like that you have to know because I even texted some people go hey you got to change this you're not going to believe what's happening I think you know the worst possible scenarios is occurring on TV so um, and I I think back to those moments like uh, Jim McKay during the 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 Munich Olympics with the Israeli athletes and just being on top of it and giving information um it's a tough spot. I think uh, you have to go to different layers and you have to just acknowledge. You probably have, you have to repeat yourself a lot. It probably sounds frustrating, but you maintain what you see and you convey that across the board. And if it's just saying the medical staff is amazing, I think we all have to be really a little more prepared because of this. Not that uh, the, the commentators weren't. I wouldn't have been prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But uh, there... I, I don't know if it's the best way to go back. And I remember in a Confederations Cup, uh, Mark Vivian Foe of the Cameroon, uh, and I, maybe that was brought up, but you know, he, this happened to him in a game against Colombia, and he did not make it. And that's happened before. And I think you go back to um, similar situations, but the last thing you want to do is, is assume anything or speculate anything. It's, it's, it's a very fine line you have to path. You shouldn't be on there too long, but you should be on there to at least convey that message and pass it on to the next because you're not just going off the mm -hmm. air. This is the biggest sports story. It is a sports story, unfortunately, that that's happening at that moment and probably for the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like um, it's cool to, to, to ask you about this because, like I said, when you're in that booth, you kind of – it's a different world. And I know a lot of people have their ideas of how they think TV should be made and, and what we should be doing in that moment. I, there's not always a, night, a right answer. Um, but I, I, I think that y it makes a lot of sense what, what you said is to be – uh, present and to tr and, try to and, and, and comforting. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to do that. You have to yeah. be as comforting as you are. And I go, look, these are very difficult images. We're doing it together. We're hoping for the best, but um, this is part of this game. This was unexpected. We are now living it together. Yeah. So there's going to be no easy segue from no, no, no easy segue. We're going to do our best, but I think it's a good story because Christian Erickson is alert and with us. Uh, and that's what makes it a lot easier to talk about is yeah. the new sense has been yeah. comforting and positive is not the right word, but you know, he's stabilized. He's been talking to his teammates. Um, I, I believe I read reports from his, his father and agent said that he was joking a little bit with them about, he's like, I feel good. Yeah. I just, you know, and so, um, that's what makes it easier to talk about yes. in the end. This has nothing to do with that. And again, I, I, after what I said, I shouldn't say it, but you also think about the, the burden these, these athletes are under. It's games and games and games and games. And sometimes you need a, a, a minute, you know, just to pick your head up. And I don't know. I'll segue regardless, very abruptly. Yeah, uh, do, as we, do your broadcaster job. Let's see it. <laughs> okay. Make that money, Bredos. <laughs> so LAFC is going to be back here June the 19th. Against the Dynamo at home, stadium is opening up. So we'll get to, let's wait to the LFC games because I have a little trivia for you. Okay. So someone said to me, we had a lot of 
LAFC and former LAFC players in action on international break World Cup qualifiers, friendlies, and Copa America and Euros. So there is a former LAFC player on a Euro squad. Name him. I botched it. I already botched right. it. You know, Actually, I could argue that there are two former okay, LAFC yeah, players. You, okay, this is to pull back the curtain. Max sent me this, and I I, I kind of had an idea, and then I looked at it, botched it because he is there. He Say is the there. one. Nico Hamalainen. Nico Hamalainen. Queens However, Park Rangers. Are you have former not shared fullback. this with me. What is this mystery player? <laughs> <laughs> this is a stretch because he was an LAFC player for a matter of minutes. Okay. You go, you, you, you go right to right who was yep. part of the 2017 um, expansion draft. Oddly enough, they play on the same team. Right. Both Finnish. Finland is team MLS. You have Robin Lut. I know I didn't say that. Lut. Robin Lutz, who's of Minnesota as well. I, don't, I still don't think you said it right. Whatever. I'm <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I don't know. And there's, a, there's another uh, a, a MLS tie in there, a former MLS player. Regardless, but. There's Raitala, Hamelainen, Robin Lut. Raitala. Just just to finish the story did the, here. Did the, did the forward from Montreal, did he did he link up with them? i got to remember. We, we're going to a, a, a Fidland. I know. I brought up Montreal. I must be going deep. It was. I think there's uh, – but right to love plays for Montreal. Mm-hmm. 2017, December, drafted in the expansion draft and then traded with Raheem Edwards. Who is who's now, now back, a, on, back LAFC. on LAFC. For Laurent Simon. Laurent Simon. Who – who would have been like my third or fourth guest? Because maybe like all of a sudden <laughs> the Belgian, <laughs> Belgians are that? like, "Hey, we hey we need you, bro." Like just in case, you know. Because I mean, who Belgian defense is uh, for Tongan, Alderweireld? I can't say his name. Yeah, right. Toby Alderweireld. Yeah. So that, what's that like? Thirty four and thirty five. And uh, and remember the World Laurent Cup. Laurent is probably thirty five. We were like sweating with Laurent Simon at the performance center, seeing if he was going to make this Belgian team, which ended up making the semifinals. Right. Of a and World he had Cup. to go because he was he would have been the first off like the that provisional list had somebody got injured so he had to actually even though that's got to be the worst it's got to be the worst hey we need you to go well i'm I on, I'm on the team well not quite but if someone gets injured you're first yeah. off the boat like that ew. that stinks you yeah. don't want to be that guy no you don't and there but you have to handle it with like some kind of grace i remember like uh but adrian, he was back adrian rabio was like told for the world cup he's like you'd they're like you're gonna be first he goes F you guys. Yeah. I'm not doing that. And France goes on to win. Yeah. But it's like, there's a there's a good way to handle it. I understand the, the disappointment, but you probably don't turn around and just say F you guys. You got to basically wear it kind of. Especially yep. for, but, it's, but especially for France. France. I mean, <laughs> we're not talking about some. Because you might get a medal. Yeah, we're not talking about hey, some random play, nation. But here you go. Yeah, well, I mean, think about the guys that are in front of you. Paul Pogba, N'Golo Conte. You know, it's, it's okay, Rabio. You could, you could probably play second fiddle to those guys. <laughs> Lawrence Simon was back by the end of the World Cup because I remember we'd be at the Performance Center and you'd hear this big scream and it was Belgium scored in one of the games. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Like, ah! Oh, Belgium scored. Congratulations, yep. they're up. Went bananas. So let's go over the pretty lengthy list of LAFC players to participate in the International Week. Uh, closest and to will, home. And, and the bigger, or not the bigger point, but uh, to bring it full circle, this will affect the game on the 19th. Of I course. believe it has to. Like, one of the names you're going to say is Mark Anthony Kay, who plays today. T- Tuesday. Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday, I don't know and then we'll know the eight teams in the final qualifying mm-hmm. stage for Which Canada, are... Canada, 
Played Haiti over the weekend at Port-au-Prince, which is a, a difficult place. Canada got the result. Mark Anthony started. He has been in that 11. He's missed the, the prior game, but that was – they, they already threw. a lot, lot of games in He's a short put window. a lot of games. It's been really good just to reinforce uh, what Mark Anthony K is doing, and this is going to be a benchmark moment for Canada because they got the Daves – Davies and David. <laughs> the Daves. <laughs> that's awesome. The Daves. The, that's like a that's a Should throwback. I, pitch, I, I don't know if anyone's gonna get kind of the. the hey, Dave. I'm Dave. Yeah, oh yeah, Dave. I just thought about Wait, that. I said that. I'm Dave. Oh, I thought that's Strange why you said Brew, it. Strange Brew. Yes. Yeah, I thought that's why you said it. Strange Brew is great. God, movie. and they're Canadian. Of, again, I that's did why that by I accident. thought you said that. Of all people, I'm gonna pitch it to. Speaking of random movies, can I just like go on a weird rant for a second? I watched a movie on Hulu with Nick Cage. It's called Willy's Wonderland. Nick Cage does not speak in the entire movie. It's basically a horror movie. Is it a new movie. movie? Yes, it's a new movie. It's a horror movie where Nick Cage is has to go and live in basically what is like a Chuck E. Cheese, and the animatronic uh, sounds good so far. Animals come to life, and Nick Cage <laughs> basically assassinates all of them, but does not does not say a word in the entire hour. Should and 30 we watch movie. it for Nick Cage? Yeah, it's yeah. Nick Cage just being like you know he got the script and he goes okay. I'll do it if I don't have to speak. And they're and you know the director and producer are probably like Done. It's Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and and people are gonna expect him to be weird. It was the weirdest he's, thing about he's, he's he's weird. Okay, sorry. Sorry. My wife made me watch Mayor of Easttown, which was pretty good. Have you seen that? But I, it's like I've what you're asking yourself list. at the list. end of this is like this town is the most dangerous place in America, this little suburb or township of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And they drink a lot of beer. But it was okay. It was good. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's, it's definitely worth watching. A lot of yingling in there? Yingling and Rolling Rock. And I was driving me crazy because when I, movie makers have to work on this, when you have a beer and it can tell it's not cold mm -hmm. and the sound that it makes, it drives me bananas. That's not how you consume beer. You want it to make it look frosty cold. Same with the wine. When the wine looks like uh, fruit juice, I'm like, what are you doing? Put right. real wine in there. Don't drink it. And whiskey looks like iced tea. Stop it! Max Brown, let's go back to the old days of Hollywood where everyone was drunk on set. Yes. Yeah, drink. <laughs> Spit it out. But don't put fruit juice or lukewarm beer in front of me. That's not realistic. Okay. That's what you get. You brought up Strange Brew. Didn't, <laughs> didn't have the reference, but it <laughs> figured it out. And now this is where You're we are. Loser. So Mark Anthony K, Canada, Tuesday. I believe, I mean... I, I don't know for sure, but I would say that has to probably put him out of contention for the night. Yes. And then there's a game on the 23rd, first game on Bally Sports against FC Dallas, our first midweek game on Bally Sports. Very exciting. And we'll get to that in a moment. Here's my infamous question to Max whenever I know he's going to game. Who is your plus one going to be? Do you know? No. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, we're going through uh, we're going through some changes. Yeah, there's some things going on. We got some things going scenes. on. Yeah. So uh, let us continue here. Kim Moon Hwan starting for South Korea. Uh, they're playing Lebanon and they're playing Turkmenistan. So there's early stages of World Cup qualifying, but he's in there, mm -hmm. which is means has to be closer to health. Yes. Yeah. The biggest thing was it was reported he was removed from one of the games for a, a health reason. I don't know who the actual source was, but clearly he's back and he's starting. So uh, yeah, the biggest thing is him getting minutes high leverage minutes under his under his legs i mean he needs that more than anything but just like mark anthony case another one that might be in doubt i mean i would think he would have to quarantine coming from having traveled um wait you were saying june 15th it's all LA i know is, but what if he, is open what season if he comes back before that no I, I, june 15th is open season for the state of california the player protocols have not changed 
Not yet. I keep asking. I am telling you that a lot of stuff's not going to change when that date comes around. I'm it's not going to look much different Max than it does now. Max and I are fighting now. over this, and you're going to be wrong. I'm just telling you. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Who's next on the list? Before I go to South America, mm-hmm. I'm going to just give a little shout-out to Josh Perez. Former LAFC player scored a goal for El Salvador, and El Salvador is likely going to join the winner of Canada, Haiti, and Panama in the final eight for CONCACAF. El Salvador is not, a, not El an easy place to go no, to. No, El Salvador's, and they got uh, Zavaleta, the Toronto FC defender, so they've upgraded there. Mm-hmm. Canada's good. Haiti's got some good players. Panama's b- developing some good young players I've been noticing. Concacaf, baby. Here it comes. I know, I love it. We just watched the Nations League final, which was great. And it was obviously Mexico-US, and everyone's like, oh, these are clearly the two best teams. Yeah. I don't know if you could say clearly anymore. Best no. teams, probably. Clearly, not so much. Before we uh, move on to South America, I do want to mention we have Stam Stayskull of The Athletic going to join us a little later, so we'll talk about South America. We'll talk about the marketplace, which will come into view as well. Yeah. Let's do transfer talk. We'll do that's transfer what every, talk. That's what everybody wants. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot brewing, or at least a lot swirling. Probably. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if we find out from Sam that like there's going to be a lot going on. <laughs> Uruguay, Brian Rodriguez did not play the last World Cup qualifier. Did not come off the bench. Nope. Uh, they will play Friday, June the 18th, their Copa America opener against Argentina. Argentina would have played a game already, but there's 10 teams in South America, so someone has to sit out four days. <laughs> what is this see, going I, on? It's the weirdest tournament ever. Two, team, two teams of five, four from each group go. So two. I, I just imagine being that one of the, the bottom team in each group where you're like, I mean, can't we just stay? Yeah. Like, let I think should have maybe just done like a two-legged knot. Like, just do something crazy. If the, the tournament, I don't know. And the reason it was like that is because they were supposed to have Qatar and Australia, and they pulled out back in February. In hindsight, a very wise decision. Smart idea. <laughs> <laughs> Best decision of the year. Yeah. So uh, he hasn't played, and Chiqui Palacios with Ecuador did not play in their opener. It was not even on Columbia. the bench. It wasn't even on the bench. Yeah, so that's a little discouraging. That's annoying. So we started hot, and we kind of simmered out. Yeah. We want Brian, we want both these guys to get games in minutes because that is a proverbial shop window. Yes. So, uh, you know, Brian Rodriguez, Almeria are not going to get promoted. They got knocked out by Girona. So in all likelihood, he's not going to a second division team in Spain. So if he's in on the is on the market, then he's back on the market. He wants. He needs to. We need to raise stakes here. Yeah, and you're playing for and a team like play. like Uruguay, who is routinely defensive. Um, and if he can put a goal or two against it, it's it's considered high leverage competition because you're playing against the Argentinas, the Colombias, uh, the world. That's definitely going to raise your price. Um, and there's there's still. Teams. I don't know if he's going to play a lot. I mean, maybe no. he's going to be no. But the, if he the comes, midfield of of, of Uruguay, because the guys like Arascaeta and Naitan, these guys are. I think all ahead of him. I've been looking bit. at some of the way they've been st- stacking the team. It looks like a slightly different Uruguay, too. It's not the traditional, like, 4-4-2. They've had, like, four central midfielders in there doing some weird, doing yeah. some interesting stuff. You have Suarez Cavani. It's a, very, it's a very strong team. Yeah. I think that's it. Did I miss John, anyone? Jonathan Rodriguez. Oh, he's yes. He's been playing up with, with, uh, with Suarez after It's his, just a really loaded team. It's nothing against Brian. It's just a loaded team. Yeah. So I think we covered our internationals. Yes. Should we talk... Should, should we should we bridge to Sam Stechko about talking about another Uruguayan player? Well, let's talk who's about possibly it. on the market. And or, actually, not reports. possibly. He's definitely on it the market. It was, and it was a good source. Was it the Telegraph? Yes. Which is good. So, the, if you get something from the Sun, yeah, proceed with caution. Telegraph is probably 
Uh, Unless it's Brexit news, don't go to the sun. Okay. Excellent. Sorry, did I go too hard there? No, no, no. <laughs> I like it. That's the kind of pod we want to become. Right. The anti-Brexit pod. So Diego Rossi, and it was Tottenham Hotspur and Everton. And it's no secret. We know there's going to be interest. There was some, we assume there's some interest from Italian teams. For me... Uh, I assume it because he has an Italian passport. And for Italian, for Italian teams, they get two slots for non-EU players that don't, you know, but he would not be classified as that. So it's like a slam dunk. You can get a technically a non-EU player, but he has the passport. So I don't understand why. I would be very surprised if there's not an Italian team or two that is also monitoring him because it, it makes sense. And what's a little bit uh, strange about the Tottenham and Everton uh, reports, or if you can call them that, is neither of those teams has a, a coach. You know, Ancelotti left to go to Real Madrid, and Tottenham Hotspur uh, obviously had the, the caretaker, Jose Mourinho now at Roma, and they're looking for a big splash. They both have guys uh, identified, Fonseca at Spurs, and Nuno Gomez, mm-hmm. correct, who was ex of Wolves. Done a great job at Wolves. Wait, but Gomez? Is it's, it no. Spiritu Gomez. Yeah, Spiritu. It's Nuno Spiritu. Nuno Gomez. I'm thinking of the. Yeah, <laughs> like the player. Gomez. I was like, hey. So, I, like, uh, I like Nuno Gomez back so in the day. So I don't know. The coaches obviously you want a coach who's on board with that too. Not that he's making those decisions. Yeah, but, but the way it works, I mean, I would say for young talent like Diego, 23 years old, um, their sporting director is in place. You know, that's kind of the. England has now gotten on board with the sporting director. So he kind of sets the standard. I would say that that shouldn't be that. And, I know it's a lot of money to most people, but ten million is chump change to a lot of these. Uh, especially, Ooh. well, I mean, Everton. It's, it's ten million sli- pounds sterling. Yeah, ten million pounds. It's a slightly big purchase. I mean, even for Tottenham, who's generally pretty tight with the purse strings, but um, that's not that much. And for a young player, yes, if he was a twenty-eight-year-old, you'd probably want to have the coat because you're like, hey, we're gonna spend big money on this twenty-eight-year-old. Are you gonna play him? Uh, but for a young guy, I mean, he's there's still gonna be value, and you would think a young attacker, any coach would want. You know, a little bit of investment in young players. So I think I think that doesn't matter quite a lot. But I would say for both managers, it would be an interesting place for him to land. At least it's not a – we're not – I mean, Jose Mourinho is going to be at Roma, and I still think he can maybe do some things. Yeah, he somehow needs to, like, figure out that he's now in the modern game and has been for the past 10 years. Uh, but I, But other than him, there's not many coaches where I'd say they're so staunch in their ways that Diego Rossi should absolutely avoid it. I would like Rossi to go to a team that has a European calendar ahead of them because I think part of the value of Diego, and again, we're not saying he's going anywhere, but these are things we want. There's no, it's no secret. We've heard from the, the, the uh, sto- uh, reports from The Athletic that, you know, the interview with John Thorrington about this is things that they deal with every day. Mm-hmm. Is I'd like to see it where you have a lot of games because Diego has proven that he can just eat up minutes, run, put these teams in a good position that uh, uh, would make him even more valuable. I think mm-hmm. if he gets that where he has two games a week, which I think he's capable, he's held up, even though he's a smaller player, uh, he's held up physically. And I, I think where you have a lot of minutes where you always worry about a team that's kind of, mm-hmm. uh, like I would say West Ham, for instance, a Europa League team, a guy where you go, okay, he's going to do it. So we don't have to sacrifice too much over the weekend in our league play, and we can still remain the same team. I think Diego Rossi would be a very valuable guy for a team like that. When so was, West Ham, if you're if if I'm breaking that rumor right now, by all means. Please don't do it. When I was going through the, my, my Rolodeck of like who's uh, the who's the next manager on my list that's like Jose Mourinho esque David them, Moyes? Yeah, you know what? I think he did change a little it's bit really with that weird. West Ham team. Sometimes very much he played changes and sometimes he doesn't change. He goes, yeah. Let's go back to normal. It's like you see like two different teams in a game. Repeat. Look, as long as he's learned the players' names. 
That was who would be. <laughs> That was that was a stick at yes. Sociedad. Didn't know the players. Yes, name. that's right. But, hey. he t- but he could tell you who's gonna who who's gonna uh, show in the horse race. At <laughs> he loves the horses, loves the ponies. Like you but, love hockey. Oh, see there, hockey reference. See people. Is that it? Do you got more? You no, got anything? I got nothing, nothing on hockey. I don't even know who's still in in the playoffs. The Islanders. The ha- in Montreal. I don't know. Okay. Is Montreal in the Western Conference now? I don't think there's conferences anymore. Because Canada was closed down because of the because of the COVID stuff, uh, but you, the bigger point and the, the first step would be the more games there are the the Wait more chances. No conferences because Canada shut down. Well, no, that they had to re, they had to rejig it because the can, Canadian teams could only play Canadian teams. They can't travel to the United States. So this whole season's been compromised. Yes, our whole okay, no world more hockey is, talk. Our no whole more world hockey has talk. been compromised. <laughs> to be fair, but no, back, not like this. Back to Diego Rossi, I think uh, should have moved Montreal Canadiens. To Florida, like every like the MLS teams, <laughs> and play at the worldwide sports yeah, so Disney, the, the Disney World. Uh, Max, no, okay. but Diego Diego Rossi, your your point with a team that's in an international competition is, you know, if you go to a team like let's say like Brighton, Brighton's a good team, and I think he could do some things at a team like Brighton. But we saw Moises Caicedo go there, who we both liked as a player, not played. has not played. Because they're in just in league games, just in league fixtures. Coach has to go. They're fighting a battle to stay up. Just has to go with what he knows. That was There's, a mistake. They, they should have played him. They probably should have. <laughs> um, but probably doesn't want to rotate as much. Um, and it, sometimes it's just getting that chance. Some guys never get a chance because there's no, there's no reason to. But having extra games in the schedule, and Diego's one that trains day in and day out, doesn't take days off, I think he would be a good, a good person, to, a good forward, a good young player where you'd say, hey, Let's give you a shot in this game, and he could do some things. He might get into a, into a lineup and never uh, leave. I think we covered a lot of ground. I'm just going to give the schedule because this is what's coming up for the rest of the month of June on my sheet of paper here. LAFC Houston, Bank of California Stadium, June the 19th, 8 o'clock kick. That's on TUDN, and we'll be at full capacity. We've talked a lot about that, so we don't want to get in there. We know it's so we're going to expect to see people shoulder to shoulder. There's some protocols. Go to LAFC.com. Check everything so it's as smooth a process to go in. You still have to, you know, it's still not back to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's full capacity. LAFC FC Dallas the following Wednesday. That's on Valley Sports with the team. With Max Bredos and, and Mark Rogantino. Plus and one, we don't know. Yes. I should know. It's not me. I should know. I just, I really am. That's me. I live in the moment. And then June 26th, Sporting Kansas City, LAFC. That's a game on ESPN. And then a busy July where it's going to be midweek, midweek. I think three midweek games. Yeah. So. Uh, and that's all you. Max Bredos. It, it, the summer of Max Bredos, July. Yeah. S- starts in July. I was supposed to coach my son's basketball team. I was excited because it's going to be the springboard to the UCLA job. But now I have to tell him. I'm telling the, the organizer, I go, I can't beat at this game. I go, you better find someone else or these kids are going to be unattended. Yeah. You can't. You can't teach the triangle offense yes. in, in that short amount of time, you know? I do the rectangle offense. Oh. It's, oh, it's you, do the old, you do the old Hoosiers four corners? <laughs> don't let them, don't let them <laughs> catch watching the paint dry. Do not put uh, Dennis Hopper over me, okay? Oh, Whoever makes on. those videos, all right? Come on. Your impressions are the best. It's the best nice. part of the show. Okay. Maybe not that one. Yeah. It's too brief. But get, while we go to break, think of one for, Stan, for Sam okay. that you we'll can do. Of. San Stascal of The Athletic, of the great team at The Athletic who've appeared here on Inside LAFC, Max and Vince podcast, coming back. We'll talk about the market. We'll talk about the restart of Major League Soccer. Subscribe, rate, and review your favorite podcast. We'll be right back. 
We are back here on Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast, and joining us now for the second time, <laughs> Sam Stayskull of The Athletic. The first time you joined us, Sam, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I looked at you. You looked at me. We were like, what are we going to talk about? We've, I think we're talking <laughs> about MLS is back, but much different circumstances, and we're very excited to have you back again. Well, I'm excited to be back, and I'm excited to be back in these different circumstances. So thanks, guys. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, Sam, I remember exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about the tournament getting started and the fact that you and Paul had everything before stuff came out, and Max and I both had emails in our inboxes saying that if we speak oh, to the media, oh, yes. we will be fined one million dollars and, and yet you did it anyway you still had me on it's why i have a different gig now sam uh, and i'm still working off that one million dollars i know yeah i got we, we're paying off the million dollars bit yeah. by bit here we're doing like some you know some odd jobs here and there to, to make ends meet but, but it was it, worth it it was worth it because it's a compliment to what you guys do because max and i are big proponents of uh, that this sport and this league in particular needs exactly what you guys are doing to, to kind of push that forward, to push the page. So uh, we've now washed you up a little bit, gave, gave you a good ball washing, so now we can do like the hard questions. <laughs> right. Well, thank you. Thank you for all of that. I appreciate I've it. I've never heard that analogy before. I just made it up. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to use it. Clean. It's great. Yes. I, I just to follow up with Vince, you know, we've seen it work in the NFL where there's insiders that uh, break the news before anyone else. We've seen it with the NBA and Adrian Wojnarowski and obviously ESPN uh, lives off the leads that uh, Woj gives them. And certainly we have it here with Sam Stayskull and Paul Tenorio. Uh, Sam, what, what, how's your your MLS break been going? Have you been able, are you watching football like the rest of us? Or are you getting ready for the yeah. restart? A bunch of everything? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird, right? Because the MLS has been gone, but really, like, the sport is obviously not. <laughs> you know, I think I've watched, I think I, I watched all the games yesterday at the Euros. I'm, I'm two for two so far today. Um, about to be three for three here and got some Copa America on tap tonight. My wife is out of town, so I've just been like, <laughs> um, And wives think so we're up to no good, us full. football fans. We're, they think we're up to no good, but we realistically are sitting with slippers on watching football, <laughs> uh, you know, trying not to leave the couch, but maybe one time. Exactly. So it's it's been really nice. The the Euros I think have been really fun. Of course, with the exception of the not fun thing that happened with Christian Eriksen, which was scary and terrifying. Thankfully, he seems to be doing better. But yeah, and then you throw on the U.S. national team and, and Nations League, and it's been a pretty busy break as far as breaks go. And it's just going to get busier here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the MLS schedule is is going to be a monster in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Max kind of teed you up for this before we we went on air. Uh, Max and I are homers, um, and we get we're we're shame we're shameless in that, and we get told that every day from our fans. Uh, Max, you are not an LAFC homer, although you do enjoy a little uh, black and gold. But wh- give give you me your Sam t- is not an LAFC homer. You yeah, said Max. Sorry, okay. <laughs> Ma- Max am, is definitely. I am uh, Sam. I you are not. Like I sorry. See him. sorry. How dare you not call Max a homer? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I got. I'm just gonna hand out my resignation here in a I few know. minutes. Sorry, a lot I apologize. <laughs> my my brain is ever. Look to, to tell you where my brain is. I got called. I got told um, that I need to be harsher on the galaxy because someone mm-hmm. was like, "What are you gonna get a paycheck from them?" And I was like, oh. "What is going on here? Wow. These people it's have gone crazy." A bit odd. Um, but no. Yeah, take. From from your from your perspective, like if you could summarize what what, what you think is kind of uh, perplexing the rest of us and why this LAC team is not where they they think they should be. Well, you guys are obviously closer to the situation than I am. The games that I've seen of LAFC, and I've probably seen about half their games, they've played some good soccer. It's just lacking in the final third, right? And, and being without Vela for a good chunk of the season will we'll do that. Uh, but this team doesn't really have a striker, 
right? They don't have a top-notch number nine. Um, and I'm curious to see if they try and correct that in the summer window, particularly if Brian Rodriguez gets moved on and they have an open DP spot available to them. Um, you know, it's worked in the attack for a couple of years now. Um, you know, but even last year there was Bradley Red Phillips and before him Diamande and Christian Ramirez. They they had forwards, Marco Serenia, if we're going all the way back. Um, they had guys that fit that mold. And now you have Musovsky, um, but it's just less experienced, right? Uh, less proven. Um, and he's done some good things, but if you could get a real stud in there then I think LAFC can kind of go next level. Overall, I'm not really that worried about them. I think it's still a talented team. Bob Bradley's still the best coach in Major League Soccer. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Um, and I expect them to start hitting on, on all cylinders or more cylinders pretty soon. Um, but, you know, while having said that, keeping an eye on it, right, to see if this drags out a little bit longer um, and the cause for concern goes up. Sam sounds like as big of a homer as we do. He's saying all the things. <laughs> Let the record show that Sam said that Bob was the best coach in yes. MLS, not us, which we normally get, again, just dragged <laughs> for. But I, it's a good point, though, that you bring up, though, Sam, and we've been saying it as well. Is like, yeah, we think this team looks good, and we're, the numbers seem like it could get better, it could trend in, in the right direction. But the biggest the overarching, the thing, the, the sword of Damocles over our head is uh, how much longer can we keep saying that? Because um, at what point, right. Sam, at what point, like, because – the next two games are at home. Yes, there's one on the weekend and then a midweek, which is always tough to get six points, but you want that. Um, what point in the season do would you like draw a line in the sand and say, oh, oh, this is absolutely a problem? I mean, it's weird because part of me wants to say, oh, after like a dozen or so games. But then the other part of me is like, this is MLS. And if you get hot over the last month, it's fine. Right. If you're treading water for the rest of the time. So I like, I'm really not that concerned and I'm not going to be that concerned for a while. Um, I would say give it at least to the 17 game mark, the halfway point of the season um, before you start freaking out hardcore. Um, but even then, like that doesn't mean anything's written off, you know? How have you seen the the makeup of this schedule? Because it was obviously a, a very traditional start and teams, you got a good look at what they were doing. And now we have this break and now teams will be playing most of them two games a week and it's going to get intense. And a lot of these teams are not going to be playing with the full allotment of players, a variety of international duties. And I think MLS should be applauded for creating an international break. They obviously can't uh, under these uh parameters can't take a month off but they were able to take this too so how do you see the second half of the season not just for lafc but the other mls clubs it's going to be really interesting because of schedule issues right it's going to be really really brutal on basically every single team and i think the rhythm of last year um even though it was a shortened season and even though it was a long off season i think the fact that the rhythm was different probably plays a role in some guys getting hurt um, and I think you're going to continue to see that over the second half or not even the second half, the, the last three quarters of this season, um, when the games are coming twice a week, basically, or three, three games a week, basically every single week. Uh, so that's going to be difficult. Depth is going to be tested all around the league. I think we're going to see some players that we aren't talking about right now emerge into bigger, um, more starring roles. I think we'll get some young, we'll get to see some young players taking opportunities. And I think this is really going to be kind of a story of survival because I think we're going to have a lot of injuries probably to a lot of key players just because of the congestion. And then you throw, of course, you know, the weather this time of year uh, on top of everything else. It's going to be tough for these guys to get through. 
Um, and I think the team that kind of stays healthiest and the team that, that can rely on their depth, um, those squads will be rewarded. Okay. A quick follow-up, and we don't know the – because we talk about the breaks and the depth. Uh, the Copa Medi- – I'm sorry, the Gold Cup – there's so many tournaments. The Gold Cup <laughs> squads are going to come out. We expect a lot of MLS players um, – certainly for the U.S. team, and I would imagine from the Central American teams, Mexico, we heard Chicharito. How big of an impact do you think that will have, or is it bigger than – we think it's going to be bigger than it is? No, I think it'll be significant. MLS is doing – I think there's a week off for the start of the Gold Cup around during the group stage, so you know that'll mitigate some of it. Um, but I would imagine that U.S. team is going to be almost all, if not all, MLS guys. Uh, so that's going to be a big loss for a bunch of different teams. Canada, I'm assuming, will have a lot of MLS guys. Maybe Mark Anthony K. I'm not sure what their exact plans are. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with their World Cup qualifying game against Haiti here this week, and if they make it through. Um, but yeah, a lot of MLS guys there, and then and then a lot and um the different countries from Central America too. So I think it will be a big impact. Um, but that tournament, there is that slight break. It's not a tremendously long tournament, uh, but for the U.S expected to make a run all the way to the final and see what happens there. Yeah, You'll I'm, have I'm, some teams that get hit pretty hard with that. Yeah, We're supposed to be in Vegas for that so we can go enjoy the USA-Mexico final. Vegas, go. kick it up. That'd be nice. <laughs> Knock on Let's go. Uh, that segues us nicely. Uh, international tournaments are always a time uh, when, when players are in the shop window, although I always it always drives me nuts because if you're going to buy a player based off of a, a weird small sample size, it's probably not the best idea. Uh, but Fans want fans want to talk about the the transfer market. Obviously, July seventh and opens back up for MLS. Uh, perfect timing for everything kind of uh, you know culminating for some of the tournaments. Uh, what are you hearing? What what are you hearing? Like you said, there's these are condensed schedules, but there's a a lot of logistical challenges to getting an international player. Uh, you know, from where they are to here. What are you hearing about this market? This this window? Is it? Are we looking at a lot of comings and goings? What do you, what are you thinking here? I think there will be a decent amount of moves. Um, Nashville has been linked to Ake Loba from Monterey, which I think could be interesting. Um, you know, the, the primary window was slow because of COVID and because of all those things you just mentioned. It's, and because tournaments this summer and guys not wanting to move ahead of national team tournaments um, and all of those different things. And I think the summer with more... Oh, there goes my dog. <laughs> Didn't like Sorry that. About that. <laughs> Didn't like that Nashville rumor right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, sorry, guys. We we can I can press on. If that's yes, yes. Cool. Yeah, but, no, of course. Um, yeah. So I think you know, talking to GMs as during the slow spring and winter window, they were like, "Yeah, the summer should be more active. The summer should be more active." I'm not completely sold that it's going to be like a huge bonanza. The secondary window is usually slower than the primary window in MLS. It's only about a month long. Opens on July 7th. Uh, but I think you'll see some teams make a few DP moves. You know, one one that I'm looking at in particular is New York City FC. Um, they have an open spot. Uh, they just they just went and signed a young Brazilian for a lot of money, Talos Magno. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. And then I think LAFC too. That's one of the bigger questions: is what happens with Rodriguez and what happens after that if he moves on. Uh, and we, we we talked about in our first segment, Diego Rossi. There's some reports from the Telegraph that uh, he is in uh, the sightlines of a couple Premier League teams. Uh, if if MLS teams aren't going to get reloaded, you th- uh, we've seen it a very slow market. We hear a lot the money's not there from some European clubs or South American clubs looking to reinforce. Do you think that money will will appear on that end in July? 
Uh, I think in certain leagues, you know, in Europe, I think the spending will be there. Um, certainly in the Premier League and then among the top clubs in other leagues. But the market is still a little bit depressed. You know, you look at like what what's happening in France, for instance, um, with the TV deal falling apart over there and having to rebuild that. And some big clubs like Lille, who just won the league, going through tremendous financial difficulties. Right, Inter Milan, who just won Serie A, they're going to have to sell players because mm. of financial reasons. Right, so it's not all the way back yet. But I think the more time passes, the closer it'll get. Um, and and I think there will be a market at some point. The, the tough part is, is like, you know, you're going to have the market for the top guys for the most part. Maybe maybe no one's spending two hundred million dollars on Harry Kane, right? But the big players, there's still a market for them at the biggest teams, and those teams can sp- still afford to spend money. It's more the secondary clubs, right? Like in Everton, that was linked to Diego Rossi. How how much can they really afford at this point, right? Is it can they can they drop twenty million, or is that now ten, right? And so and that's kind of where MLS lives, mm-hmm. right? That's the space that MLS players are in the, at the high end, and so I think there will be some kind of ramifications there. I think LAFC has dealt with those with, with Rossi and, and maybe with Rodriguez already. When, when you bring up those secondary teams um, and you make a good point, um, those they are kind of the teams that MLS is looking to sell to. Um, if I'm selfishly an LAFC fan and I say, man, but I don't want to lose Diego Rossi in the summer or Brian Rodriguez in the summer when normally prices are better. So maybe that wouldn't be the case you're saying possibly because Everton maybe can get a couple months of, of fans maybe. in the door or something, or, or do you still see that, that the summer window? Cause a lot of fans don't quite understand why a team would have to send their best, their, some of their best players away in the middle of the season. Like they, it's, it's hard right. to, to, to square that, you know? So to explain that broadly, the summer is the European offseason, of course. Right. And more teams are in the market. There's more roster turnover right? More teams have money available to spend at that time. So you have a bigger market of available buyers for players in MLS and any other league around the world. Unfortunately for MLS, that happens to fall right in the middle of the season. So if a team wants to make a title run, that's going to hurt you. And there's no real way around it unless you have a replacement lined up right away. And even if you do, that new replacement will have to be onboarded. Maybe he'll fit. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll adjust. Maybe it'll take him a year, right? So if you're losing Diego Rossi, to use the example, right? That's going to sting. Like there, and there's no real way around that. Um, but the market is bigger, right? On a case by case basis, if Everton's really, really wanting Diego Rossi, right? And they're like, okay, we have this offer now for 10 million, but you know, in January we can up it to 15 because we're going to have a lot more cash coming in the door through through tickets and through all these other things then sure, like, you know, the market might be better, but there's no guarantees that they'll still be in in January, right? Or that they won't have moved on to another target or that the coach who is replacing Carlo Ancelotti, who like, I don't even know if they've hired anyone yet, but um, not, not <laughs> forgive yet. me on that. <laughs> um, who knows if, if that coach will even still be there, if he'll still be interested, like it's just completely unpredictable, right? So if you have, I think the prudent thing for any club to do is to say, okay, if we get a price at this offer, and it meets our other conditions in terms of you know qualitative things that we're looking for in a buyer. Um, then we move, right? And that's that. Um, and and I think you know it's not a situation where you can really afford to wait around um, because you never never know what's going to happen in the future. And that's why it's good. It's more than one club kind of poking their head around because it, it feels like everything has to fall in line for this to happen. But I, it also feels like not everything perfect is going to fall in line under these circumstances. So you're going to have to push out, but 
I, I would imagine teams are still going to be a bit reluctant, and that's why we saw, I mean, with all these MLS players going on loan uh, ahead of the uh, ahead of the, the turn of the year. But um, it's uh, it, I hope I, I just hope that, you know, common sense and uh, the pockets get a little bit deeper here and we, we shall see. But we won't really know. I know you, you also talked about uh, we, you wrote about the young DPs. Is that. Uh, I mean, that's a new arm of MLS business. Do you see that being activated a little bit more this summer, or when do you see that maybe kicking in? It's already started to kick in a little bit um, with the U22 signings. And for those who don't know or don't remember off the top of your head, first of all, congratulations that you don't live in this world and that you have a life. (laughs) Second of all, um, basically what it means is teams are allowed to sign up to three uh, players who are 22 or younger, and they can sign them for any transfer fee that they want um, as long as their salary is under $612,500 this year. Um, and they hit the cap at 150000 or 200000 So basically, it's encouraging teams to go out and buy young players who then can later be moved for a profit. Um, I do think that'll continue to kick up. We saw NYCFC just make one of those signings, um, I think, last week now. Um, so I think that'll continue. Um, but we've seen a few teams take advantage already. Atlanta already has three on their books. Um, so, um, you know, I think more teams will get into it as more time passes. Uh those are interesting to me because those guys aren't, they're not necessarily guys that are going to come in and make an immediate impact or a big impact in a way. So you might be spending a lot of money on them, but in a lot of cases, they're going to be projects for the future and pretty speculative signings, even in some, in some cases. Uh, just like with the New York City FC situation, I mean, they, they, they bid a, spent a big transfer money to Vasco to get Talis Magno. Uh, if you want to get a player of that level, you would, I mean, you're, you're basically going to have to outspend uh, these European clubs who are also looking to get players younger over there. Is that fair? Yeah, and there's going to be a premium for MLS teams, right? Like, that's part of this, too, is that all right, if you're an 18-year-old Brazilian or a 20-year-old Brazilian and you have Bayer Leverkusen and NYCFC coming after you, right? You're going to need more money to go to NYCFC because you still want to go to Europe. The end game is an MLS for these guys. So if you're going to add a step between your ultimate goal and your current position, there's going to need to be some compensation for that. And that's going to come in the form of salary for sure. Um, but also potentially in the form of transfer fee, uh, which, you know, can go to agents and the club and all sorts of other sure. shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's interesting. Salary, obviously, transfer fee is where the, we talk about, you know, the, the big figures, the seven, eight, nine figures. Uh, and then age is capped, but then salary is capped at such a level that actually somewhat inhibits what they probably want. Like this, that 600,000 is, it's, it's a decent number, but... It's a, it's at a weird for me. That's a weird level to to cap it at if you really want these prospects, like you said, because six hundred thousand, yeah, but I could probably get a mill, um, you know, in, yeah. in England. Such no, an arbitrary I number. <laughs> I think it's a good. I think it's a good illustration though, because you're not going to be able to get a Diego Rossi under this initiative, right? That guy will have to be a DP still, um, and I think that's fine. This is for the next tier of player. Right. A guy not he might end up being better than a DP. Right. But maybe there just isn't as much available data on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So Santiago Sosa for Atlanta, he falls into this category and he's largely been pretty good. And he's shown some good things for Atlanta in terms of what he's able to do on the field. Um, 
they were able to get him a, clearly a very talented player on that kind of salary because he had like very little experience as a pro. Right. So, so that's, and that's part very, of this. that's risky. I mean, that's pretty it risky. Is. I mean, it is risky. Roll of the and dice. That, I'm re- I'm really curious to see what this initiative turns into because a lot of teams I think are going to be making moves like that. And I think you're going to see some hit and some payoff fantastically, but I think you're going to have a lot more misses than you have hits in this category. Sam, this is absolutely fantastic information. I know our, our listeners are a lot smarter as a result. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. By the way, uh, Jorge Massain, he, he could see Lionel Messi coming to MLS, particularly Inter-Miami. Would you see that one day? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Is it before you know? 2027? Not on that con- not on that weird contract that we saw where someone else is going to be paying and somehow the money's yeah. going to loop around. Like, what is that? I, mean, yeah, I don't know. Ask Blaise Matweedy and his agent how they did it. Maybe, maybe we'll have an idea. That's a book I Actually, read. that's a good idea. I need to get that as my agent. Um, no, I, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, doesn't he have a place in Miami? He's He said he's yes. open to it. He was in the video welcoming Miami to MLS. Like, I, I, you, I think I would actually be a tiny bit surprised if he doesn't end up there eventually. I, now, eventually I would say this, Sam, question, right? as when? someone who grew up in Miami, when you if you if you're making a if you if you're as wealthy as Lionel Messi and you have a place in Miami, when you go to that place in Miami, generally you want to go when you're not working. So I don't Fair know enough. if that, but who knows? It's a different level of pressure, you yes. know. It's a different level of work. It's a nice transition into retirement for him. And I'm not saying you wouldn't take it seriously, and I'm not saying you wouldn't do amazing because he would. But I think it's fair to say the pressure in Miami would not be the pressure in Barcelona for Messi. We're taping this, so we'll know the result. But you said you were two for two today in the Euros. Who do you have in the third game? What's um, the score? Man, I think I'm going to go with a draw. Sweden's going to pull a little bit of an upset here. They're tough. Man. I like the Swedes. Oh. Good shout. They're, they're tough. They're organized. They're difficult. And who's going to score for Spain? Exactly. I don't. I'm. I'm not high on Spain, and I'm. I mean, I'm a Juventus I'm a, fan, I'm and I'm high not on high Sweden. on Alvaro Morata. So that's that's just to tell you something. Is anyone high on Alvaro Morata? Like ever? <laughs> he's the weirdest he, player he I've his ever encountered. And his wife are. I don't know, but he has. Somebody has to believe in that. He, man. I've never had a more hot and cold player in my life watching. And when he's hot, he is the best striker in the world. When he's cold, wow. Two yeah, different people. It feels like he's going to just be the uh, Spanish Giroud eventually, you know? That's <laughs> well, kind of what a label. Well, he take, With take, worst hair. Yeah. But to be fair, that's a high bar. Yeah. Uh, but he'll take a World Cup and a Champions League medal. Sure. Yes, for sure. I know. And, and then he'll be, we'll be like, what a disappointment. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> I wish you could see, I mean, we just, you're just listening to Sam Stasek. I wish you could see him because we have him on our call here, and he looks like a young Michael Hutchins with that hair. You might, we might be able to and work this so that, that I don't he's even in know video. Who that is. <laughs> That's a very high compliment. You know who Michael Hutchins from Every, in, in excess I mean, is? Oh, man. He was. Uh, no. no, I know in excess. Well, the lead singer of in excess. He's a, All right, I'll, he's a I'll look it up. Don't get to the end. Maybe, it's a little dreary Actually, maybe don't. The way it ended for it him didn't end great. Well. <laughs> it didn't end well. Oh, sorry. I just banged oh, my mic man. again. Sam Stasekal of The Athletic joining us here on Inside LFC, the Max and Vince podcast. We look forward to having you again, uh, Sam. Your stuff is fantastic. We all get a lot smarter listening to you. I'm not so sure about that, but thank you, Max. You guys are fantastic, too. Thank you, Sam. Vince, you're fantastic. Uh, Go go to your sports book and bet on a tie for Spain and Sweden before noon Pacific time. We'll be back again next week, and we'll have two games to look forward to. LAFC is back. Back in black, as I like to say, and we'll be joining you here very soon.